coffee in the big game. Dust off your Walkmans and grab your Rubik's Cube. Don't cross the streams. I got a great idea, you guys. Click shoes. This is Radio Wayne's Wine to Grow On, your 30-minute time machine to the coolest moments in 80s and 90s pop culture, wrapped up in a tasty spiritual hot pocket. Stick around for some great retro fun, and if you're not careful, you might learn something before it's done. And now, here's your host, Wayne Cordova. Hey there, true believers. I'm your host, Wayne Cordova. Welcome to this episode of Radio Wayne's One to Grow On, where we beam up and rewind to some of the most iconic moments, brands, and obsessions of the 80s and 90s. From Star Wars to Super Nintendo, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles to Tamagotchis, we're taking a fun, lighthearted trip down memory lane. And today, we're turning on our Proton Packs on the franchise that told us who to call when there's something strange in the neighborhood. Ghostbusters! Born in 1984, Ghostbusters is a comedic blend of supernatural fun and everyday heroics. It gave us quotable lines, unforgettable characters, and a catchy theme song, as well as a frightening but lovable giant marshmallow man. The Ghostbusters franchise, conceived by Dan Aykroyd and Harold Ramis, has become an enduring pop culture phenomenon. It's given us two iconic movies in the 80s, an animated series, a whole range of toys, a 2016 reboot, and a long-awaited sequel with more to come. It's more than just a franchise. It's a brand that has seeped into our pop culture consciousness with its humor, its spookiness, and its charmingly outdated view of the future. So... Whether you're a key master looking for the gatekeeper or just someone who ain't afraid to know ghosts, sit back, relax, and let's dive into this fascinating world of Ghostbusters. Let's see why this franchise still makes us feel good more than three decades later. Are you troubled by strange noises in the middle of the night? Do you experience feelings of dread in your basement or attic? Have you or any of your family ever seen a spook, specter, or ghost? If the answer is yes, then don't wait another minute. Pick up your phone and call the professionals. Ghostbusters. Our courteous and efficient staff is on call 24 hours a day to serve all your supernatural elimination needs. We're ready to believe you. The Ghostbusters franchise had its humble beginnings in 1984 when the original Ghostbusters film hit the silver screen. Directed by Ivan Reitman and written by Dan Aykroyd and Harold Ramis, the movie introduced us to a team of eccentric parapsychologists turned ghost exterminators. Peter Venkman, played by Bill Murray, Ray Stance, by Dan Aykroyd, Egon Spangler by Harold Ramis, and Winston Zedmore played by Ernie Hudson. Their misadventures in combating supernatural forces unleashed in New York City struck a chord with audiences and became an instant hit. All right, so let's talk about Ghostbusters. We start off with Dr. Peter Venkman, Dr. Ray Stance, and Dr. Egon Spangler, three not-so-successful scientists at Columbia University who dabble in the paranormal. After getting kicked out of the university, they decide to start a ghostbusting business in New York City, turning an old firehouse into their base of operations. What could possibly go wrong? Ray, the true believer, buys a clunky but lovable Ecto-1, and the trio start inv uh, inventing all sorts of wild, high-tech equipment. Proton packs, ghost traps, containment units, they got it all. They hire a receptionist, Janine, and add a fourth ghostbuster, Winston Zedmore, as their business starts booming. New Yorkers just can't seem to get enough of these guys, especially Venkman, who has the suave, devil-may-care attitude, and who are you going to call when a ghost is in your hotel? The Ghostbusters, of course, and so the plot thickens. 
We get a woman named Dana Barrett, played by Sigourney Weaver. She becomes the victim of a supernatural incident involving her fridge and a demigod named Zool. Venkman, who is smitten by Dana, is all over the case. It turns out Dana's high-rise building is actually a gateway to summon the ancient destructive god Gozer, courtesy of her slightly off-kilter neighbor, Louis Tully, Rick Moranis, who becomes the Keymaster. As the paranormal activity intensifies, the Ghostbusters find themselves having to save the world, and the mayor isn't quite convinced until Walter Peck from the Environmental Protection Agency shuts off the Ghostbusters containment system, causing a massive explosion and unleashing all the captured ghosts. The climax is something else. Our brave heroes come face-to-face with Gozer, who asks them to choose the form of the Destructor. Despite Vinkman's plea to clear everyone's mind, Ray accidentally thinks of the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man. So naturally, a giant marshmallow man starts rampaging through New York, and our heroes cross the proton stream, something Egon warned them not to do. They destroy Gozer, and they save the city. Dana and Lewis, who had been possessed by Zool and the Keymaster, return to normal. The Ghostbusters emerge as heroes, covered in marshmallow, but cheered by the crowd. That's Ghostbusters in a nutshell. It's about saving the world one spectral menace at a time while cracking jokes and having fun. It's a wild, supernatural joyride, and in the end, you get the theme song stuck in your head. Who are you going to call? Ghostbusters every time. So, speaking of the music, who could forget Ray Parker Jr.'s infectious theme song? Well, it was a chart-topping hit, but it did come with some controversy. Huey Lewis, from Huey Lewis and the News, he claimed that Parker's theme song is a little bit too familiar to his hit, I Want a New Drug. A lawsuit followed, and this issue was settled out of court, but both parties agreeing to not talk about it. But in a twist fit for the movie, Lewis apparently broke the confidentiality agreement during an episode of VH1's Behind the Music. Parker ended up suing him right back. So here's the funny thing. It was this lawsuit that made Huey Lewis realize the value in movie soundtracks. And the next agreement that he made after passing on this was the power of love for Back to the Future. Not only that, but also uh, doing the song Back in Time. And uh, before you knew it, Huey Lewis was in the uh, Back to the Future business. Imagine imagine what Ghostbusters would have sounded like done by Huey Lewis in the news. So many what-ifs with this film. For whatever reasons, Ray, call it fate, call it luck, call it karma. I believe that everything happens for a reason. I believe that we were destined to get thrown out of this dump. For what purpose? To go into business for ourselves. Now, Ghostbusters isn't just a movie to me. No, it's my ultimate favorite. It's my go-to comedy, my top pick for a scare. It's all three of my favorite movie genres wrapped up into one incredible package. I still remember being just a kid, sitting wide-eyed in the movie theater, 
on the second week of its release. We'll get more of that in a second. Uh, watching the Ghostbusters just zapping their first ghost, right? I couldn't get enough of it. I collected all the real Ghostbusters toys, turned my room into a mini New York City under siege by spectral pests, and then... As the film started kind of growing and it gained a sequel, we got Ghostbusters 2. We'll talk a whole bunch about Ghostbusters 2, real Ghostbusters, the cartoon, everything. We'll talk more about that um, in future episodes. We're going to devote whole episodes to each uh, iteration of Ghostbusters. But I remember having my, my VHS copy of Ghostbusters 2 and wearing it out because I had recorded it off of HBO or, or, or you know whatever, the movie channel. Um, I remember having that and we played it and rewind it and played it and rewind it over and over and over until just the tape just snapped and it couldn't go any further. I mean, I remember drawing the Ghostbusters logo on the insides of my schoolwork and everything. Honestly, outside of like uh, professional wrestling and Star Wars, Ghostbusters was probably the number one franchise that I was so into. I think because the guys were just accessible. These were just guys starting a small business trying to, uh, you know, rid the city uh, of ghosts. And so that was just me, you know, my RPG sessions. It was a never-ending saga of the team busting ghosts in the Ghostbusters role-playing game. I even watched that filmation version with the gorilla. A bit different, but hey, it's all Ghostbusters. I mean, to top it off, a couple years ago, my family and I, we became the Ghostbusters for Halloween. Proton packs, jumpsuits, the whole nine yards when it comes to Ghostbusters, it's safe to say I'm not just a fan. I'm a devoted ghost head through and through. I remember my first experience with Ghostbusters being at the movie theater. We were moviegoers as a family. And so we would, you know, we, we would go see whatever the latest release was. And I remember, and this is, the, this is why the funny thing was, I remember on the same weekend, Ghostbusters and Gremlins were both released on the same weekend. Now, I didn't know any better. Uh, I actually chose Gremlins over Ghostbusters to see in the movie theater. I think probably all because of Gizmo and all of the the Mogwai, you know, uh, uh, merchandising and all of that. The cute, cuddly creature caught me first, and little did I know that Gremlins was just another uh, another phenomenon that we'll talk about. But just you know, little did I know this was like a little horror movie kind of wrapped up in this. In this Gremlins movie, this this cute little fuzzy guy, it wasn't all about that. So, but the next week, the next week, is when we chose to go see Ghostbusters in the movie theater. Listen, I am a '80s kid. I was born in 1976, which I think is the sweet spot because by the time Ghostbusters had run around, I was eight years old, and here we were, you know, watching the the latest Bill Murray movie, watching Dan Aykroyd doing their thing, and I had no idea what to expect when I first saw this on the big screen because it it starts off with, you know, this uh, lady walking down, you know, the library and all of a sudden the cards start fluttering through and then she's, you know, scared and and then it zooms into some comedy by, you know, Bill Murray and, and he's, you know, smacking around Dan Aykroyd and I'm like, okay, all right, well, this is a comedy and then they... Then they head off and they see the library, you know, ghost and and then we're off to the races. We're literally having this adventure, this comedy adventure, horror, 
you know, I, I don't even know if you could call it horror, but it was to me, it's one of my favorite scary movies just because, yeah, there's ghosts and skeletons and monsters all popping up out of everywhere. But I remember seeing this movie and, you know, this is the thing, like back in the day, all you had was this movie release. Here it is, 1984, and you have this movie release, and I don't have the option to stream it right away. I don't have the option to even wait for it to come out on HBO because that wasn't going to be for another year and a half. And I'll tell you about that in just a second, but it's just the idea of seeing Ghostbusters once is what got me. And I think the next media that I collected or, or was able to get was magazines and cards, like the wax packs cards. And it was those cards, and I think even like Panini, I think Panini had um, some stickers and stuff, being able to kind of replay these scenes just through these wax packs cards. And the thing for me is that I'm seeing these cards and I'm looking at all these scenes and, and, and just waiting, waiting, waiting for the next time that I could see Ghostbusters. And then this is what happened. In, on Christmas Eve of 1985, not a lot of people talk about this, HBO was this new phenomenon. It had been around you know, for a couple of years. This is where you would go to, to watch movies on cable, and cable was even new at that time and all this. And so they were doing like all these different kinds of gimmicks just to get people to watch. Well, so here we got this uh, announcement that HBO made. And they said, we're going to have a special Christmas present for everybody at 1130 on Christmas Eve. So imagine this. It is Christmas Eve 1984 and HBO says, hey, we're going to have a special Christmas present for everybody. It's kind of wild. Not a lot of people talk about this. But the first time that Ghostbusters aired on HBO was on Christmas Eve at 1130. Nobody knew what they were going to be playing. And then at 1130, here you go. You have the lady walking through the library and getting scared again. And then boom, there you have it. And for the longest time, my VHS recorded copy of Ghostbusters was that Christmas Eve version of Ghostbusters because I was just a little kid back. I mean, I was nine at that point, right? And so here we are. I'm waiting for uh, whatever the surprise is going to be. I didn't want to fall asleep. It's also Christmas Eve. I'm being told to go to bed because Santa's not coming if you don't go to bed. And so I just asked and begged if we could set the VCR for 1130 that night. And we did. And, and, and here it was. That was my VHS copy of Ghostbusters to watch for however long till I started wearing it out and then Ghostbusters started showing on a regular basis on HBO and then on on regular TV and that's all we had till 1989 you know when we when we got Ghostbusters 2 but man I was playing through those adventures over and over and over and over again in my head when it came to the Ghostbusters I wanted to draw them I wanted to draw ghosts I wanted to make up stories using these wax packs cards and 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 try and just do what I could to bust ghosts. I, I wanted to make my own proton pack. Uh, I used to pretend that the vacuum was a proton pack. Uh, you know, because you just pull out the hose and you could just you know, uh, you know, all of a sudden I had this giant interest in cleaning the house when I'm eight years old because uh, you know the vacuum could be my proton pack and I could you know bust ghosts and. 
doing all that I could just to kind of relive some of those adventures. Now, I would get in trouble for reciting some of the lines, especially, you know, when you walk through your school classroom, you know, and, and, and you bust in and you, you say, well, you know, we, we came, we saw, we kicked it. Oh, sorry. And then, uh, you know, I get a phone call home. Yes, then don't wait another minute. Pick up your phone and call the professionals. Go Stoppers! If the answer is yes, then don't wait another minute. Pick up your phone and call the professionals. Ghost Blasters! The original title, Ghost Smashers, was derived from Dan Aykroyd's initial high-concept script that involved futuristic paranormal combat. And when the director, Ivan Reitman, and Harold Ramis dialed back the storyline to a more present day and a comedic approach, the name Ghost Smashers didn't quite fit the bill anymore. And so they battled around a few other names, including the Ghost Stoppers and Ghost Breakers. I know, right? And it's like trying to find the perfect outfit for a night out. You got to try a few before you find the one that makes you say, this is it. And the plot thickens here. You see, when they finally landed on Ghostbusters, they faced a big hiccup, a legal one. Let, let's take a look back to the 70s, where there's a kid's show called The Ghost Busters, three different, letter, three different words, led by comedic actor Larry Storch from F Troop. Remember him? The show was about a trio of bumbling detectives, one of them happened to be a gorilla, who dealt with the supernatural, and it was produced by Filmation. Now you fast forward to the 80s, and Filmation wasn't too happy to find out that a major motion picture was about to use a title very familiar to themselves. And so, a lot of legal wrangling went on, and the film's producers were forced to come up with alternate titles just in case. And at some point, they even filmed a, a scene or two with the crowd chanting, Ghost Stoppers! anticipating that they may lose the rights to the name Ghostbusters. Thankfully, people wised up and some good sense prevailed. Filmation and Columbia Pictures reached a settlement and our favorite paranormal exterminators became the Ghostbusters, a name that not only rolls off the tongue, but also perfectly encapsulates the tone and spirit of the movie. It's kind of funny how these things kind of work out. And then later on, when uh, the cartoons popped up, you got the Ghostbusters released by Filmation featuring the gorilla and then Ghostbusters starring the guys from our movie had to change their name to the real Ghostbusters so that we could tell the difference. Because, you know, when you flip on com competing Ghostbusters uh, cartoons, uh, you know, it doesn't doesn't make sense. There's two different, you know, Ghostbusters cartoons. One of them. Not the logo we're used to. One of them, not the gorilla we're used to. <laughs> the other one are the guys from our movie. However, they don't look like the guys from our movie. But nonetheless, we'll cover the cartoons in another episode. Human sacrifice, dogs and cats living together, mass hysteria. All right, it's time for the Q&A portion of the podcast. And so we're going to dive in. I went ahead and uh, searched online and asked some of... Uh, some of my friends and followers on social media to send in some questions about Ghostbusters ahead of time since this is an early episode of One to Grow On. And uh, so this is what we got. Lynn in Tennessee asked me, have you ever been to any Ghostbusters filming locations? And it just so happens I have. I've been in New York, and so I got to see Hook and Ladder 8, and I uh, got to see the fire station. Didn't get to go inside or you know anything like that, but I just got to see it. That was cool. And then it just so happens that last, um, this past April, for WrestleMania in Los Angeles, we went to a 
wrestling convention called WrestleCon at the Biltmore Hotel. And it just so happens that the Biltmore Hotel's lobby was the filming location for the ballroom scene in Ghostbusters um, where they first capture Slimer. And so uh, I got to see the lobby that Ghostbusters used as the ballroom scene. And that was just really kind of cool because it wasn't a planned thing. It actually wasn't even... Um, I wasn't even aware of it till I was in the place when I realized, oh, wait, I'm, I'm in the lobby. I'm in the ballroom of the Biltmore and this is where they, you know, this is where they captured Slimer. They did not let me, um, pull the sheet out from under a table or anything like that. So I didn't get to pull that off, but Hey, that was fun. Uh, but yeah, thanks Lynn for that. Ryan in Ohio says, how did you see, how did you first see the movie and have you delved into any of the various toy releases from the original to more modern day? And what are your thoughts about the toy lines? So uh, I talked about it a little bit. I first saw the movie in the movie theater on the second week of release um, because we chose Gremlins the, the week before. I don't think I'm ever going to forget that because it's just such a it's such a crucial part. Every time we celebrate Ghostbusters Day, I always remember, oh, yeah, it's also Gremlins Day. So we saw it then. I don't, I'm trying, I was trying to remember who I went with. And I'm, I think, I honestly believe that um, I, I didn't go with my parents because I don't think that my mom would have wanted to go see Ghostbusters back then. You know, I think it would have been, when you don't know anything about it, it, it could seem like it's scary, you know? And so, um, and so she wasn't a scary movie person. And so I do believe that I went with my brother, who was much older than me. Um, he was nine years older than me, so he was a, he was a teenager when I was a kid, which is perfect <laughs> because literally uh, because of him and my teen cousins that literally lived almost around the corner from us in New Jersey. Because of them, I I got to watch stuff that was intended for older kids, you know, younger, and so. Um, I want to say that because I do I do know that we saw it in the movie theater. So I, I want to say it was probably with a combination of my brother and his friends or my brother and, and, and my cousins. And uh, yeah, so the toy releases right away, I got into real Ghostbuster toys. I mean, I, as soon as those were released and then any merch I can get my hands on ahead of time, I, I would. Like I said, the whack packs I got into um, the, you know, if I, I want to say the Panini had um, cards. But as far as the toy releases, as soon as those were released by uh, released in toy form for real Ghostbusters, I was all about it. And it wasn't until adulthood that I got into any other toys. And so um, I have I made it a point to um, y- you know get some of the more modern toy releases of both the um, movie versions of characters and real Ghostbuster versions of characters. I don't have a huge Ghostbuster toy collection um but yeah but I, I I do have some of those guys and honestly space is an issue for me and so I try not to go overboard um with too many but sometimes it's you know it's like when you see a Vigo Carpathian at a good price on eBay what are you gonna do right like you know he's he's Vigo he is Vigo anyway so gotta get those uh and Ian in New York if there's one thing you could change about the original Ghostbusters, whether it be something cut or something added, what would it be and why? Ian, this is a great question because to me, 
Ghostbusters is mostly a perfect movie. I mean, I love it front to end. But if there was something that I would add, it wouldn't be something I would cut. What I would add is I want to get to know Winston more. And I feel like, and, and honestly, and I would add it to the promotion as well, I don't understand why um, Ernie Hudson was not a part of the original posters, the original promotional images. It wasn't until way later that he was added to, you know, front covers of things and, and other promotional items. I think that that's bogus. I think that that's just, it's a, it's a total shame. Ernie Hudson, more than Ray Stance, I would almost say, is the heart of the Ghostbusters, at least on a, um, on a fan level. And so I would love to see more Winston. You know, where did he come from? How did he find the ad? What, uh, you know, what's his expertise? Some of the stuff that was written about Winston beforehand, even in like the novelization of the bo- of the movie and everything, makes it really interesting. I mean, here's a guy who's an engineer. He's a guy that really, you know, honestly, you know, wh- why is he all of a sudden uh, the mechanic of the of the Ecto one, what, what are his qualifications to work with these guys? I would love to know more about him. We got more scenes with Winston and Ghostbusters two, but I almost want to say those are really silly scenes. And honestly, my, my favorite, um, my favorite scene of Winston is him in the car with Ray. And they're just, you know, they're, they're sitting there and they're talking about, you know, um, you know, have, they're talking about God. You know, do you believe in God? And you know, Ray. You know, Ray says never met him. And uh, and then you know, Winston just says, "Man, yeah, I just I love Jesus's style." You know, and it's just it's just a cool scene. I want to know more about him. Um, out of there, so that yeah, that's what I would do. Shane from Pennsylvania. When you were young, did you build your own proton pack and play dress up? as a Ghostbuster. Okay, so I already talked a little bit about how I would use a vacuum as a proton pack, and that's that's totally what I would do is, uh, you know, I'd grab the vacuum, pull off the hose, and, you know, pretend I was I was that. And then later on, I would get a little bit more elaborate. I, would, I remember making a ghost trap out of a shoebox. I remember, uh, you know, uh, just anything. When I was a kid, anything was either a lightsaber or a proton pack. I mean, literally, those were the two things I'd go back and forth with. It was either a lightsaber or a proton pack. If I could put it in my hands and wield it to defeat some kind of bad guy or bust the ghost, I would do that. Absolutely. Um, Chris in Texas. What if Slimer was a Ghostbuster instead of a ghost? How do you think he would change the dynamic of a team? I don't know about that in particular, Chris, but you know what I would think of is I always thought about like a scenario, whether it's in real Ghostbusters or what, but who was Slimer? I mean, if he's a ghost, right, that means he was something or somebody before he became that ghost. And so I was like, man, what would have ever happened if like Slimer was in human form all of a sudden and, you know, could talk and was, you know, that, that it's a good thought. Imagine, oh, this is um from uh, Carrie in California. Imagine a crossover between Ghostbusters and another franchise. What franchise would you choose and how would the story unfold? Okay, so this is literally just like off the fly, but as far as a crossover, we've seen crossovers, right? We've seen crossovers in the comic books where they cross over with the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. We've seen crossovers where they, you know, cross over with, um, you know, the comics with themselves, with other versions of themselves. 
I, I honestly, so I'm a huge fan of time travel and time travel type gimmicks and shows and movies. So, you know what I'd love to see is a, a, a crossover between Back to the Future and the Ghostbusters. Imagine there's a scenario where Doc Brown and Egon Spengler uh, are at a convention together and they're talking and then all of a sudden, you know, one thing after another and he outfits the Ecto-1 with a flux capacitor and now you got to take the Ecto. I don't know that it could go 88 miles an hour, but now you got to take the Ecto back in time so that they can, you know, I don't know, bust, you know, uh, bust a ghost that interdimensionally went through different time i don't know i'm not a writer i wouldn't be able to make that unfold but you know let's let's see that let's see a back to the future slash ghostbusters and i don't care an animated crossover that'd be a lot of fun guys that was an amazing q a thank you so much for participating in that you can participate in the q a also by finding us on social media, commenting on the appropriate thread, send us an email, radiowayne at gmail.com. You could even leave us a voicemail at 727-37-WAYNE. I'll talk more about those in just a second, but before we go, just one final thought. Hey, Ray, do you believe in God? Never met him. Yeah, well, I do. And I love Jesus' style, you know. Okay, true believers, gather around as we embark on an adventure to bust the ghosts of the past and set ourselves free to embrace a brighter future. Today, we draw inspiration from the legendary Ghostbusters to learn how to overcome the haunting shadows of our path and pave the way for a better tomorrow. Step one, acknowledge the ghosts. Just like the Ghostbusters bravely confronted all those spooky specters, we must acknowledge the ghost of our past. Facing our mistakes, traumas, and circumstances head-on allows us to gain a deeper understanding of their impact on our lives. Remember, the only way out is through. By acknowledging these ghosts, we take the first step towards their defeat. Step two, confront and conquer. In the face of spectral entities, the Ghostbusters didn't cower much. They fearlessly confronted and conquered them. Similarly, we must summon our courage and tackle the ghosts of our past. We got to seek support from friends, family, professionals if needed, and remember the wise words of Peter Venkman. We came, we saw, we... You get the idea. Confronting our past empowers us to break free from its chains and move forward with renewed strength. Step three. Embrace growth and forgiveness. As we journey towards busting the ghosts of our past, we must learn to embrace growth and forgiveness. We all make mistakes, yet through self-reflection and the courage to forgive ourselves and others, we can heal and grow. By letting go of resentment and bitterness, we make room for positive energy to fill our lives. Much like the crossing the streams for a powerful blast. Step four, set goals and stay positive. The Ghostbusters had their mission to save the world from paranormal threats. In our quest to bust our own ghosts, setting goals is crucial. Establish a clear vision for your future and stay focused on it like a proton beam. We're ready to believe you, as Race Dance said, so be ready to believe in yourself. Surround yourself with positivity. Remember that failure is just a stepping stone to success. By following these four steps, we gain the strength and resilience to move forward without being haunted by the ghosts of our past. And just as the Ghostbusters saved the day, we have the power to free ourselves from those shackles of yesterdays. It's Miller time. And so now, 
As we conclude this inspiring journey of self-discovery and empowerment, let us remind ourselves that the past should not define our future. Together, let's bust those ghosts, embrace growth, and pave the way for a brighter tomorrow. As Winston would say, you have the tools and you have the talent. And so true believers, let's go forth with determination and fearlessness, for we are the ghostbusters of our own lives, ready to bust the ghosts of the past and shape a future filled with hope and possibility. And that's one to grow on. Do you want some uh, coffee, Mr. Tully? Do I? Yes, have some. Yes, have some. Well, there you have it, folks. Another spirited discussion wrapped up here on Radio Wayne's One to Grow On. We've had a fun time diving into the fantastic world of Ghostbusters, the franchise that gave us Proton Packs, Ecto-1, and those unforgettable specters causing all kinds of ectoplasmic mayhem. I'd love to hear your favorite Ghostbusters moments. What did you love? What did you hate? Who was your favorite Ghostbuster? Did you prefer Slime or Marshmallow? Or maybe you're one of the few brave souls that actually tried Ecto-Cooler. Whatever your Ghostbusters memories are, I want to hear them. So give us a call at 727-37-WAYNE, 727-379-2963. Or shoot us an email at radiowayne at gmail.com. And let's keep this conversation going. You could also follow us on social media at Radio Wayne for more nostalgic goodies and behind-the-scenes glimpses. Don't forget to subscribe to Radio Wayne's One to Grow On on your preferred platform. Subscribe, like, give us a review. If you've enjoyed your journey through the Ghostbusters universe, let us know. Every star and every word counts and helps others discover us. For those of you wanting more, we've got your back. Join our Patreon for only $5 a month to access some spooktacular bonus content that you won't find anywhere else, like our special Patreon-exclusive segment called The More You Know. So, until next time, keep your proton packs charged, don't cross the streams, and remember, we're ready to believe you.